Welcome to Therapy with Millennials, a podcast where we take our late night talks, aka our own therapy sessions, and put them on record for you to hear. We take a looser definition of therapy, so if you need to seek professional help, please do so. Our main goal or hope is that in sharing our stories, we will relieve some of your tension and you will relate to us. So join us on this journey. Please give us a review on Apple Podcast. It helps new listeners to find us and join this listenership and helps us know how we can get better. So talk back to us. Welcome to Therapy with Millennials. I'm your host, Malia, and I'm joined by the editor of the podcast, <laughs> Brittany Payne. Hello. Hi. Yes, the editor. Don't come at me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this uh, episode, we're talking about leadership. Hmm. Specifically, are we leaders now? Or do we let the church keep doing what it's doing? Or are we leaders in the world and not in the church? What is our place in the world, basically? Do you feel like a leader either at work or at church or both? Or if not, why? Um, I would say that I feel like a leader sometimes at work. I'm being molded into being a leader, but that's difficult for me. My personality doesn't take on... Mm, I take that back. My personality does take on a leadership role, like, in my friendship sometimes. Um, it was more like, a, well, it looks like no one else is going to do this, so let me take this on. Mm-hmm. And I follow kind of suit in work, too. But I don't think that necessarily makes me a leader. It just makes me someone who picks up what I think is going to be slack from other people. Leaders know how to, like, delegate to other people and not take the work on themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm more... Not necessarily a follower either, but not exactly a leader. Um, Situational leader. Yeah. In the church, um, no, I don't think so. I am active in a way in things like in my group and in the nursery. That's where I volunteer and stuff like that. But, huh? I said bless you. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't necessarily view myself as a leader in that aspect either. So one thing that kind of came up when I did some research about leadership and becoming a leader talked about ownership, um, how leaders tend to step up when they feel like they are owning a part of most of my research was about businesses. So when they feel like they're owning a business, do you feel like there's a part of church that you are owning? Like that is specifically yours? No, I don't think so. I think I just kind of go to go there's nothing even in my personal spiritual life sometimes I don't feel like I'm owning it or leading you know Mm. sometimes I think well if I had a family maybe I would be owning or leading something there because I want to raise my children a certain way um sometimes I felt with my family like maybe I was leading a little bit there owning that Mm. or leading it and then I didn't own it I didn't actually like grasp onto it I was just like oh they're coming because I'm coming and then I want to be a good example, but then not really like stepping into that, I guess. Mm. So there's nothing right now that I feel like I'm owning. No. What's something that's important to you? In the church? Mm-hmm. Mm, going <laughs> right now, <laughs> just going, just being there um, is important to me. I recently 
I think with COVID and everything, you know, we weren't getting to go. It was all virtual. And when things are virtual, really hard for me to connect. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even watch virtually. Thankfully, Bible study was still Zoom calls that even then I still missed a lot of. Mm -hmm. So now that it's back to physical going, it's just very important for me to like build that relationship back up because I feel like it was um, hurt during the during the pandemic and everything. I think right now the only thing I feel very passionate about is the music part. Like, the the worship and setting is good. But I think the thing that made me fall in love with our church was our um, testimony time, kind of, mm. that we used to do. And we're kind of not able to do it because of all the COVID restrictions right. and all that stuff. And that's one of the things that I miss a lot. So I think way that I kind of ignore that or try to pass push past that is really really losing myself in the worship part of it because I do love singing but there's a part of me that wonders if I'm faking it to make it through it and if that's okay like is leading in a place of depletion still good or as a leader do you take a step back and work on yourself and then come back. I guess it depends on how bad it is or your conscience, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, can I be a leader if I'm faking it right now? Or if I need, for me personally right now, and you know, I am trying to take a step back from things and be like, focus on Brittany mm-hmm. and focus on you and her, focus on Brittany and the Lord, my relationship with the Lord and just myself But it's still so difficult to do because I want to want to or feel like I have to focus on other people and their needs and their wants. So I think it comes to a point where you decide like I think it's up to your conscience at that point. It's like, okay, if I'm just faking it for a little while or like I'm doing okay, but like not great, I can still do something here. Or if you feel like if you feel like you're being a phony, then, you know, maybe it's time to step back and reassess. Hmm. you know the weird part for me about that is when I actually feel like I'm serving I feel like I'm the most authentic when I'm actually in the pew and I have to receive something that's when it feels more fake to me because it takes everything in me sometimes to focus that by the time that I'm zoned in it's almost over and so, but when I have to actually sing for church, I'm already focused at the beginning because we, we've got this ritual that we kind of do where we, we practice and then we're, we center ourselves and then we sing for church and then we center ourselves again and then we sing for second service. And I don't know what centering, centering myself without a group kind of looks like. And I don't know if that needs to be something that I do for myself, by myself, or if that needs to be something that I do with someone else. But it's kind of like one of those things of, okay, you're already getting up to go to church. Who's really going to get up with you to do some type of ritual? And like, why is this ritual so important to you? So I guess that's kind of where I'm at of trying to figure out what is it about the centering that's helping and at other times is not. Because I feel like I'm focused. Yeah, I feel like I'm focused on class when we have class. But there's something that just makes me disconnect during the actual service part. Mm. And I don't know why. It, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. And not in a good way. Of like, I feel like I'm watching a show and I tune in and out of it. 
And so, I don't know. I don't know what it is that when I actually have to do it, and it's kind of like my quote-unquote job, I pay attention. But when I have to do it just for myself, I have no drive. It makes sense. I mean, I do the same thing. Mm. I'm more focused in class with a smaller group of people than in the audience mm. where I should be more focused on myself and everything. Mm. So what do you stand to lose if you focus on yourself? Stand to lose? Mm. Uh, in my mind, I guess relationships with others. By focusing on yourself? I mean, this is maybe not as like focused on the spiritual aspects, but I mean, it is in a way. Just, I feel like if I focus on myself more than I'm, because of that, I'm not focusing on others. And so then I'm not going to be a good friend to them, a good, like my relationship with them is going to be weakened somehow. And I could risk losing. Like right now I've been thinking about, I haven't ever actually cut off a friendship. Recently, I've been having a really hard time with one of my friendships, and I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's them. I don't know if I need to cut it off. I don't know if I need to let it just... I don't know how. I don't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that part is kind of frustrating because I want to focus... Not want to. I feel like I should focus on them and their problems and everything, but I'm like, I've got my own, and... Right now, it doesn't involve dealing with their problems, and that sounds really bad, but I'm just like, I don't know what to do, but I feel like those that relationship means so much to me. And I had a friend tell me recently, well, you know, if you tell this person and you decide, you know, I need to, like, take a break, mm -hmm. if they leave you, it wasn't a deep relationship in the first place. Mm. It Apparently, it, you know, it was just a shallow friendship, and who wants those anyways? So I think that might be what I'm fearful of is that I think maybe it's more shallow than I think it is when I feel like we're pretty close and deep and I'm just afraid that that person will be like, oh, you don't care for me. I'm done. Mm. So that's what I feel like when I, if I try to focus on myself, it's the same with family, even though I know family wouldn't leave me, I still <laughs> feel really bad. They aren't meaning to make me feel bad, but I feel bad because of certain things that they say, mm -hmm. um, so I feel like, you know, yeah, focusing too much on myself leads to breakups in relationships or issues in relationships. So we kind of talked about our relationship to church. I kind of want to talk about the opposite viewpoint of church's relationship to us. So how important is it that your church interact with you? as an individual and then versus other people because recently I've had like a, a weird shift in thought towards others and not really myself that kind of is surprising me and I don't know what that exactly that if that means I need to do something else or do something in addition to but do you want me to go first okay so my interaction with church with me honestly is going good but I feel like our church's interaction maybe with others, and I'm thinking specifically Korean, African-American people, doesn't seem good, and I don't understand why. So there's a part of me that's always looking for, I guess, conflict, maybe? Or some type of underhandedness. And I feel bad saying that because 
at the end of the day, I really do trust the people who are in leadership at our church. But it makes me wonder, okay, why is it that I feel comfortable going there, but none of, quote, my other people feel safe here? And I've asked a couple of people who have been there, and they always would tell me that they would come back with me, but they wouldn't come back otherwise. And I always wonder why. Like, what is it that repels people from there? Have they told you why? Did you ask why? One told me that they didn't feel like they were friendly. Granted, it was like right in the middle of like COVID. Well, COVID didn't end. Churches started meeting again. Mm -hmm. And so it was like all the COVID restrictions of like mask up, don't talk to anyone, go outside and still be socially distanced. So I'm like, you do realize that that's not necessarily the best way to be like, hi, welcome to such and such church. We're glad that you're here. So on the one hand, I was like, well, you kind of came at a really bad time. Like, I'm glad you came. They came because I was actually singing. Um, but you kind of came at a weird, funky time. And then the other person said that uh, no one looks like me here. Hmm. And I I guess I'm so used to walking into places where people don't look like me. I was talking to someone recently uh, about when I first came to Montgomery. And I w- my first thought was, wow, there's so many black people. <laughs> I was like, wow, I actually feel like this might be a 50-50 situation kind of thing here. <laughs> like, this is cool. <laughs> I'm never in the majority. Like, this is awesome. But then also, like, the churches that I've been to are not that way. So what? where's the separation? I, I, I just, and especially with where we go to, I, I really, really don't get it. I was talking to someone else um, on Praise Team with me that I really don't get the disconnect between the racial divide that's in the city. And it really does feel like it's the city, like a hurt in the city. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's something that can be specifically fixed by church. I mean, God can do anything, but I, I do wonder, is it the city? Would this be the same problem if it was someplace else? I feel like, so I can only speak from my experiences in inviting Koreans to church. They've mostly told me it's distracting. I think that's the most work, the most that I've gotten. I think it's a different story. I don't know about the African-American side, but I think the Korean side is maybe more so the churches that they go to typically speak their language. Mm -hmm. Even if they speak good English, it's still their native tongue. So it's much more comfortable and they can make, create a community there with people that speak the same language as them. So there's more of a cultural aspect there as far as like, you know, I can relate more to people here Mm -hmm. versus because the times that I've gone to a Korean church I don't feel welcomed or I don't feel comfortable because it's in Korean. Mm-hmm. And even though I understand some Korean, I definitely don't understand Korean church language. But I, even if I understand some of it, it's still not the full experience. And even if there were headphones, I've been to churches in Israel where they speak Hebrew, but they have headphones for me. Actually, it was Russian, I think, where they speak. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, no, it was Hebrew and then sometimes Russian. Anyways, so they give you headphones for translations. And there's such a disconnect with that. I just couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't get, get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from the Korean point of view, maybe something like that is like, we can't really provide them 
And it's not any of our own fault. Like even if we gave them Korean translations, it still not may not be somewhere that they wanna would want to come. Mm. But the African-American side, I don't know. Like maybe also a cultural thing because we talk about black churches all the time. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between mm-hmm. our church and a typical black church, mm-hmm. I guess. Just like how service is done. And I definitely know our worship is probably not as... Uh, soulful, oh or I don't know. <laughs> we call it the beat. Not the one and the two, but the beat, my friends. It's close to the Lord, probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one of our friends keeps on hounding me to take her to, to black church, and I'm like, my my dude. <laughs> I'm like, you do realize you're going to have to pop on the beat. She's, she loves her heart. She just she really wants to go to black church, <laughs> and now she's got like our Korean friends being like, "I want to go to black church too." <laughs> oh the conversations we have in the car. Y'all. Let's remind them not to call it black church in front of <laughs> anyone else. Oh my goodness! Uh, Good thing we don't name names up in here. Uh, so Bible study versus small groups. When I was looking at like how you find your churches and all this other stuff, they were talking about that, these kinds of things. I, right now, don't really have any Bible study in my life. There's, like, stuff I find on Pinterest. Like, I have Pinterest Bible study, but I don't have, like, contemplative Bible study right now in my life. So, one, do you, and two, how, if you are in a small group, is that supplementing at all? Or are you seeing, like, a disconnect? Because I feel like I'm having a disconnect. I feel like I'm missing the contemplative aspect of bible study either by myself or with one or two other people but small group to me feels different and i don't know where that disconnect is but there is definitely a disconnect there and i don't know if it's like too many people too many opinions but there is a disconnect so how so when we say bible study we're talking about like individual or a very very small group of people studying Mm -hmm. the bible and then small group we're talking about like a group outside of church but like maybe bigger than a bible study Mm -hmm. and then bible class is the one like in the mornings Mm -hmm. thing so bible study i would have something like a reading plan or something for a while and I do pretty well, and then I kind of stop and, like, fall off and haven't read in a while. Oh, my Bible. Yeah, please. me. <laughs> and then picking it up, picking it back up again, and then going back again, stuff like that. So I don't – it depends on what small group there is. We used to have a small – like, a small group that one of our friends led. And that one I felt was more relatable to us. Mm-hmm. Um and more Bible study like like actually digging deep into the Bible mm-hmm. versus our small group which I really loved but was just like let's it and in most of our small groups go like this they just take the lesson from Sunday and we just dive into it deeper mm-hmm. which is good but in a way it was like this was just more an opportunity for me to see people from church and have dinner with them and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. so I like when we kind of go off and do something you know different. different. Um, and I think small groups have always been hard for me. The one that we're in now, well, the one we were in was really good. Cause I've been there since I had been going there since 2011. Mm-hmm. 
But occasionally we would start up a new one or go to a different one every now and then or a different time. And we started our own. Um, I've gone to ladies, small groups and everything, but it seems like those always just kind of like fester out after a while, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, at some point, I guess they small groups are meant to last forever. Yeah. So I wish ours had. Mm. Um, but you know, so now, even now, like trying to find a new one, I'm like, okay, what are we looking for? What do we want to do? Listen, my two <laughs> is stress out. If anyone who goes to our, uh, used to go to our small group is listening, nothing against you people, but I am feeling this, like, I don't know if it's anxiety, this like hard line of, I don't know if I want to get into another small group. Like, I really don't know if I have the emotional capacity to do this again. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, for me, well, I don't know if I can at the new, at the house I'm going to, but I'm kind of like, well, for the people that our, our small group has like, not that we've been cut off, but essentially, (laughs) essentially we have, um, but for the rest of the group being like, so like, let's come over to my house, Uh you know, and let's just start up another group here. I have a backyard. (laughs) Is it possible? Socially distanced. (laughs) Pressure. Right. Uh, I was actually thinking about a small group that had something to do with like singing, because I selfishly I kind of want more, more people on praise team. Also, though, I just want to get people together just to sing. Like that was one of the things I really liked about our small group is that I was in charge of uh, our song list, and it was fun to kind of just see where people's heads and hearts were. And sometimes it had nothing to do with the lesson. And sometimes it was a song that I had never heard before. Guys, try leading a song that you have never heard before. And you're literally on YouTube breaking up parts, trying to sing the bass line. Uh, the struggle was real. Uh, but I learned a lot. But I do miss it. And I'm trying to figure out if I'm actually going to, you know, start something or not. Because I'm just like, I don't want to start anything new. No new thing. How important is service to you? Like, is it important to you to have leaders that serve outside of how they work with you? Well, okay, that's kind of like two questions. I guess service is important to me. I want it to be important to me. Let's put it that way. Sometimes I'm like, it's. I do the service that I like like doing, right? Because we're all like, I don't want to serve. Are we supposed to do other services? Because <laughs> I like the nursery. Okay. So I serve in the nursery. Um, I like, what else do I like? Hmm. Um, I've done other things where like cancer care cards, the cancer group and stuff like that. But I kind of like fell off on that because I, I thought I liked writing cards and then I realized, oh, I don't really like writing cards. And then. I thought I would like that because I, it was creative, but there was something triggering about writing cards to cancer patients. I just couldn't. I, every time I would go, I would get like in this really deep sadness and I just could not. Yeah. And then preparing, um, preparing meals. Nope. (laughs) I can barely make meals for myself. So making meals for other people. So like the only place that I really serve in the church is in the nursery. Um, and then occasionally I might do like a, a class, the kids or whatever, but I love seeing leaders that serve and then the ones that motivate me to serve, I guess. And also recently, this is outside of church, but a coworker of ours signed up for um, a service weekend. And normally I'd be like, that's work. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But I was like, you know what? I need to give back. Like, what am I doing? 
And I was like, you know, that actually sounds really interesting and I'd love to help out um, teens and kids and stuff. Even if I don't feel like I can help out, I'm like, I'm sure whatever they have me doing isn't going to be anything that's going to be detrimental to these children, hopefully. <laughs> um, so it's like just helping them with activities or something like that. I'm We're like, going to need you to be a lifeguard and save a life <laughs> Right. <laughs> Everything so I was like, matters. I was like, you know what? It may be hard work. It may be something you're not exactly looking forward to, but it, you know, you need to start giving back to the community that you're in. Um, and it was like a ran. it wasn't like a random, but it was just like a r- quick thought that was like, yeah, I should do that. Versus like, normally it'd be like, oh, my friends are going, so let me go and hang out with them. You know, yeah. this was actually like service based feeling. Um, so I think it's good when I can see leaders and like my friends also being leaders in that sense and stepping up and, uh, serving others. Does it matter to you that God speaks through and to your leaders? I found that out. All- question online i found it so interesting i mean yeah i i don't know it seems kind of obvious to me like they should god should be speaking through them right he should i don't always feel like that's always the case but i feel like he should i think partially for me because i'm always questioning whenever leadership tells me anything especially decisions that they've made but tells me anything if they don't say that they have gone to God with their question and then therefore their decision that they're now telling me and whoever is in the audience with me, I automatically question whether that's a great idea or not. Why do they have to say it though? Like what if God, what if, why do they have to like verbally tell you, I asked God for this or I asked God about this? Because I think it's very easy to lead to the best of your ability especially at church, I'm not concerned about what's your best ability. Like me on the best day can still make a terrible decision. But if you're really going to God and you're putting this decision, not as just like your best decision that you made, but that God, you feel like God told you to make, that changes how I follow you. Because even if I question what you told me, if you're telling me that God told you, if I follow you, then in the end, I did the right thing because I followed you because you asked God. But if you didn't ask God and you just made a, your best like Brittany decision and I'm supposed to assume that you went to God about that and I just follow you blindly, that goes south for both of us. Like I didn't question, I just let you lead me. And you didn't ask because you assume, I'm not saying that Brittany has done this. <laughs> Because you're assuming that you can make the best decision by yourself. So I just, for me, I always question if they don't say say that, whether they have actually asked him and been in contemplation. Because I, I, I know I can try to make the best decision and it's not always because God told me. Hmm. I mean, I just... I don't know. We talked about, like, I take it almost at face value sometimes so I can see where you're coming from. Like, if I know that the person is a Christian and is a close friend, or, like, I know that they pray to God or they talk to God, I don't think I necessarily need them to tell me that their decision, what, like, that they did ask God, I guess. I I do assume, maybe, like you did, but I put that trust in them and in God. And so sometimes I just listen to what's being told to me but I told you like you know we, we've talked about this before like that can go either way so I get it like 
they could be to the best of their ability mm-hmm. telling me a de- telling me their advice or their decision and then turns out like they weren't listening to god or they thought they were and it was actually the devil or something yeah. like that you know and then my thing is you might be totally right but just from the standpoint of even if i never ask you like if you tell me something you never say you ask god but then i go to god and i'm like okay lord i'm gonna follow Brittany. And I ask that whatever she's telling me to do, that you're leading her as we go. So that way, there's that accountability, yes, between the two of us. But I'm going to God on your behalf also. That you're truly, uh, like, there's nothing truly separating you from him. Um, I can't remember where exactly it is in scripture. But it's in reference to a husband and a wife. And about how, you know, their relationship isn't good then the husband's prayers basically will be blocked Mm. because there's like um, confusion and chaos and friction between the two of them. And I kind of apply that to like other relationships as well. Like if, if we're not doing well, there's some part of our chaos that I'm bringing into my prayer life. And so I, I need to, with all that is within me, try to fix that and work on that so that I'm, going to God, not just on my behalf, but also on your behalf. So moving forward with um, thinking about COVID and church and how we want to move forward. And I, I think, again, going back to this listener's question of, as a millennial, also as a Christian, am I being either intentionally or unintentionally lazy? I would say work-wise, probably not. I feel like spiritually speaking, there's a part of me that's going through the motion for myself, but when I'm with other people, they're able to pull me out of the funk of it. And so there's a part of me that longs for it to be real all the time. And I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with me to be fully honest. Like, I, I don't know what that is, that something just always feels wrong all the time. I, I'm dog sitting right now and I went back home to go grab uh, the mics so we could record. And they asked me, how are you doing? And I was like, I hurt. And they're, they asked me, you know, you know, who hurt you or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's not necessarily like someone hurt me. I was like, I just always hurt. I'm just used to hurting all the time. And so if I were to take a cold day off and take care of myself, it would just be to hurt by myself. So I always just get up anyway and do what I'm supposed to do or do what I said I was going to do. So I don't know. I, I, I want to know what recovering from COVID cause COVID I'm so tired of people being like returning to normal. It's not going to be the same. Like I, for me personally, I've given up on it being the same as it was pre COVID. That's unrealistic. There was like a a worldwide pandemic. It's not going to be the same. Even if we do get to a point where we no longer have to do masks or social distancing, there was a period of time where our lives were severely different and changed. I want it to be for the better. And I'm tired, me personally, of griping about how it's not good. I just don't know how to get out of it though either. So I feel like I'm looking at other people who are struggling and all I have to say is, Figure out your way to get out of it. Because I don't know how I get out of it. 
how I'm trying to get out of it is to push through it. And if there's something else that I need to be doing, I'm, I'm looking for people to tell me, but I don't know what it is besides keep pushing. So I don't know. I'm, I, I just, there's a part of social distancing that makes me think about race and it triggers me and it makes me angry that we're together, but separate. And there was a couple years before COVID that I was really irritated with that. We were, we're going to a church that we both love, but that is still racially separated. And I just, I don't know. I'm still in that funk of an irritation of why are we separate? So yeah, I don't have any answers. I just have a bunch of questions. <laughs> I guess my, for me, my focus is how to unseparate us. And I think what one of my tools that I can use is music. It's bringing people together with me that I typically wouldn't hang out with. Not necessarily because they're not good people. It's just, we don't hang around in the same circles. And so that's healing for me, but I want it to be healed all the way. I'm tired of being partially healed. <clears throat> I think for me right now, um, yeah, I don't, I hate hearing that millennials are lazy or all that bull crap meme stuff. I'm like every generation, like we say, we're saying the same thing about the Z gen or what is it? Z generation Z. Mm -hmm. We're saying the same thing about them. Whoever was before us, their generation before them said the same thing about them. Like mm -hmm. every generation has something to complain about the generation lower than them. And I just, I don't subscribe, subscribe to that mm. crap in my opinion. Like, subscribe to the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I am not at the point where I think I need to take leadership in the church um, I'm honestly at a point at work where I don't want to take leadership or I do in some aspects, but I'm not fully there yet. Mm. So I'm at a point of focusing on myself and what's going on with me and how to fix that before Recovery. trying to, yeah, trying to do any kind of like outward leadership, more like inner leadership, like take charge of yourself and what you want um, is what I'm striving for. Uh, granted, I do, even though... The millennial laziness, whatever. I've always called myself lazy, but, like, as a joke, in a way. Um, but sometimes I feel like I'm lazy even though I do, like, a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm still lazy. I think everyone can feel that way, even if they're, like, super productive. Or they can get too critical of themselves and be like, oh, I'm so lazy today. I didn't do anything. And it's like, no, you did a lot. And it's like, but I didn't really do anything that I wanted. And it's like, that's different, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so I don't really subscribe to all that stuff, you know, like generations saying this about you and you saying this about other generations and just looking towards, you know, myself and trying to work that out first. So last thing I want to do is kind of give some type of proactive or interactive advice for being the leaders of today. I would say out in the world, find the thing that touches your heart or maybe it doesn't touch your heart or make you cry. Maybe it makes you mad. For me right now, it's separation. I feel like we're so separated. And I feel like one good thing that came out of COVID is that we care about those who are not always able. Uh, it seemed like for the first time in a while, we cared about those who were susceptible to diseases. And when it used to be, you know, 
if you're not up and coming, then you're not really someone that I pay attention to. Uh, we also seem to care about the homeless more. And I sadly don't typically think about the homeless until the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's bad on my part, but it, it brought it more to the forefront and it made me more aware. So I think part of being interactive for me with leadership is being more informed. There's a part of me that really wants to ignore all the news and just keep moving about my life. And you can't live life on an island. So Mm -hmm. that's not realistic. So that's part of my interactive is to be more involved in the news. Now, no one to turn it off. There reaches a point where news is just toxic. And mm-hmm. a lot of news is just toxic anyway, right. no matter who you're hearing it from. So no one to turn it off. I think something proactive that I am doing is I think in my pushing through, there would have been a point where if people asked me how I was doing, I would have said, okay, I'm getting to a point where I'm okay with saying not great, but I'm searching for the answer. Mm-hmm. And there's something, something humbling about that that strikes at my own pride that I think is very good for me right now. So those are my interactive and proactive things about leadership. Um, Know when to set your pride aside and to be humble and also to ask for help. And also know when to be involved in the things that are going on around you, whether it's locally or church-wide or work-wise. And I would just say, you know, if you're feeling led to lead, then lead. Like, if you're feeling like you should serve in this manner, try it out. Like, if you're if you're just thinking, I don't know, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, you know, give it a chance. And don't think of yourself as lazy if you're in the millennial generation. I think that's most of our demographic right now. <laughs> don't subscribe to all the crap that you are lazy. You are not lazy unless you actually are then get off your butt and go do something (laughs) um but yeah just trying to take ownership that's what i'm trying to do all right well that's all we got for now um question i have for you guys you can respond to us on facebook and instagram is who is a leader who is inspiring you to do something courageous Mm -hmm. um for me right now Someone from church um, recently finished their chemo-ish regiment, and they are such a courageous, them and their spouse are such courageous leaders, in my opinion, because they're both so gentle, and I feel like gentle people get overlooked, and they're both so gentle, but they're also courageous leaders, and so I, I think that, honestly, they are better than a lot of worldwide leaders. It's um put together and stuck together with glue. So they are my courageous leaders. So look for gentle leaders and let us know who leads you in your daily life. Thank you for coming to the pod. And also, um, we will be taking a quick hiatus um, at the end of this month. So enjoy the content while you've got it. And be thinking of things that you want to hear from us in the future. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. Bye. Thank 
you for listening to Therapy with Millennials. To keep up to date on our episodes, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Come follow us on Instagram at Therapy with Millennials or Twitter at T with Millennial, no S. Have any suggestions for the show or want to get in contact with us? Email us at T with Millennials at gmail.com. Can't wait to hear from you.